You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So the first chapter of the Mishnah of Megillah remembered all the way back to Joshua, even actually uh, all the way back to Joshua, and then it went back to Shiloh and David and Shaul, as if we're in Galut, and yet we're remembering the way things were beforehand. And maybe it's because of that that the Mishnah mentioned different kinds of writing. So as we begin the second chapter of the tractate, which will get into the question of writing in much more detail, we're going to come back to this question of Hebrew scripts. And the Mishnah is going to refer to a script called Ashurit. Ashurit literally means Assyrian, but actually it's the Aramaic script which the Persians took on after they conquered the Babylonians who conquered the Assyrians. So it's geographically in Assyria. And this nice little table, which I've pasted on the source sheet. If you're on the podcast, just have a look at the source sheet, which is linked in the description. Gives you a lovely table of the ancient Hebrew scripts on the left, going through to what is described here as late, but that's really Aramaic. And then you can see modern Hebrew towards the right and then Greek and Latin. So you've got a complete illustration of the development of our alphabet, including the the Latin alphabet, right from early Hebrew. And maybe we can say, by the way, that, um, you know, the modern alphabet begins with the Jews. It doesn't quite because there is some there are some Ugaritic inscriptions with an with an alphabet from near Phoenicia, but it it does practically begin with the Jews. Maybe that's a gift that Jews have given to the world. And nowadays we don't write very much in ancient Hebrew, but I brought on the source sheet just two pictures of scrolls from the Dead Sea. So they're basically from the kind of probably the first century of the Common Era, and you can see the top one, which is from Tehillim, is actually written in hebrew script and the bottom one which which what what we will call now modern hebrew script which the mishnah will call ashurit will call assyrian it's the aramaic script and the bottom picture is the ancient hebrew script and you can just make out the letters very slightly but you can see there like the ancient hebrew script letters on the table above, and they are indeed found in Qumran in a copy of Sefer Vayikra. And it's not a complete copy. Uh, some of the scrolls in Qumran in the Dead Sea were damaged, but it, there's enough of the scroll there to know that it's a copy of Sefer Vayikra, and it's actually written in ancient Hebrew script. And with that in mind, let's turn to the, the Mishnah. And the Mishnah begins, well, we will talk about language and script, but we're first going to talk about the Megillah as a whole. Someone who reads the Megillah, le mafreya means backwards, or it means out of order, or it means disordered. Someone who reads it not in its proper order. So maybe you wander into a Megillah reading in shul and they've got up to the sixth chapter. So you hang in there from the sixth chapter till the end. And then you go somewhere else and they read you the first five chapters. 
And the Mishnah says, Someone who reads it out of order, hasn't fulfilled their obligation. Somehow we need to hear the whole story in one whole. This thing runs right from the beginning to the end. It, 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 it's not a... So it's not a meaningless ritual. It's not as if we just have to get through the chapters. We have to understand the whole story. And we'll see that the Mishnah will come back to this a little bit later. We need to read the whole thing in order. If someone read it off by heart, he hasn't fulfilled his obligation. There seems to be something about reading it from a scroll. Maybe here we're very conscious that we're in Galut and that the writings are written down on scrolls. And of course, Esther writes, the Queen Esther and Mordechai both write these things down on a scroll. We have to read it on a scroll. We can't read it off by heart. If someone read it in translation and the Bartanura, by the way, I brought you the Bartanura on the source sheet because the Bartanura makes clear this is someone who reads it in a language that he doesn't understand. In other words, a Hebrew speaker who reads it in some other language. So Kral, reading by heart, reading from translation, in any language other than Hebrew, obviously, hasn't fulfilled his obligation. But, and here's the universal part, of the Mishnah. And we'll see, by the way, as we go through the next few chapters, that generally the halacha is universal in this tractate. But they read it to foreigners in a foreign language. So Hebrew speakers have to hear it in Hebrew, but foreigners, foreigners can hear it in a foreign language. And then, yatsa, a foreigner who heard in as in Ashurit, in Assyria. This is the Aramaic script, but we're using, we're now referring to the way that it's read. A foreigner who heard it in Ashurit, Yatsa, has fulfilled his obligation. So even though in principle, a Hebrew speaker who reads it in a foreign language has not fulfilled his obligation, but there seems to be something universal about the Hebrew language itself. A, a foreigner who hears it in Hebrew without really understanding it, has still fulfilled their obligation. What if they didn't pay attention? serugin, someone who read it with breaks. Umit nam name, someone who drifted off to sleep while the Megillah was being read. Yatsa. That's on the premise, I think, that he kind of drifted off during the breaks. I think if you slept through the whole Megillah reading, if you don't hear the Megillah, clearly you haven't fulfilled your obligation. But you could hear one chapter and then have a little break and have a nap, read the second chapter. You're still reading it in order. You're yatsa. You fulfill your obligation. Someone who was writing it out, this is copying it out. So he's this is someone who's copying it out professionally. Dorsha, he's making a drasha about it. So he's quoting it in a drasha or teaching it. Umakiha, he maybe he's correcting a scroll. 
So we're not reading it, or we might not be reading it for the sake of reading it. We've seen this before with shofar, right? If you're walking behind the, the shul and the shofar is blowing, are you, have you fulfilled your obligation? Well, the halakha there is that if you, if you incline your heart, if you intend to fulfill your obligation, you have. And this, this Mishnah rules the same way. If he directed his heart, he's fulfilled his obligation. In other words, if he intended to fulfill the mitzvah as he was teaching it or correcting it or writing it out, then he's fulfilled his obligation. And if he didn't intend, he hasn't fulfilled his obligation. If he's writing it out, by the way, Remember that we have to read the Megillah from a whole scroll. So I think if he's writing it out, the assumption is that he fulfills his obligation by from the scroll he's that he's copying from, not from the scroll that he's writing. Because the scroll he's writing is not yet a whole scroll. So it won't be, it's not useful at this point. It's written with, well, the mission, the Safari translates it as arsenic with red chalk. Barsanura goes with red chalk, with gum, with sulfate of copper. On paper, Safari translates diftera as scratch paper. Diftera is parchment that's not really been properly prepared. But it, yeah, maybe it is scratch paper. It's basically it's 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 not proper. It's not proper paper. Loyatsa. None of these. None of these. These. None of these writing materials, which are not fully permanent, really work. It has to be a permanent writing material. He hasn't fulfilled his obligation. Unless it's written. He hasn't fulfilled his obligation unless it's written in Aramaic script, in Ashurit, on a scroll and in ink. It's got to be written with proper materials in the proper script. And just the Bartonura just clarifies, al Hasefer on a scroll, that means al haklaf on parchment. Um, in other words, we're, we're not talking about a paper scroll here or a paper book. We're talking about parchment. Someone from a town who went to a walled city. This is walled from the time of Joshua Bindun. So he's from a town. He's supposed to read on the 14th. But in the walled city, they read on the 15th. Someone from a town who went to a walled city. Someone from a walled city who went to a town. If he's going to return to his old place, his own place, he reads like his place. And if not, he reads like them. Of course, the question is, when is he going to return? And the Gemara actually ties this down at daybreak on the morning of Purim. So in other words, you're somewhere on Purim evening. According to, the, I mean, the 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 amount of time you can spend in your new place is incredibly limited. According to the Gemara, if you intend to be there at daybreak the following morning, then you read with them. If you intend to set off home, 
before daybreak the following morning, then you can you basically read like like the people at home. And from where does a person read the Megillah? And it's as if we've segued, we've drifted from the question of the geography of the reader to the geography in the text. And now we're going to get back to the whole question about whether you can read the Megillah out of order or in order. In other words, from do you have to read the whole Megillah at all? Or could you pick up halfway through the Megillah and still fulfill your obligation? Rabbi Meir Omer Kula. Rabbi Meir says you have to read the whole of the Megillah. And, and it probably won't surprise us to learn that the halacha goes according to Rabbi Meir. But he's not alone. Rabbi Yudal Meir, that's the um, second chapter. When Mordechai, I suppose for Rabbi Yudal, Mordechai is the key figure here. So Rabbi Yudal says, look, once we get, start to hear about Mordechai, if you read from that point on, you fulfill your obligation. Rabbi Yossi Omer, that's the third chapter. That's when um, the king begins to um, promote Haman. That's really the story of Haman. So Rabbi Yudas seems to focus on Mordechai as the key actor in the Megillah. Rabbi Yossi seems to focus on Haman as the key actor in the Megillah. And for Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yudas, it's okay to start from those places. But Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir's name is light, by the way. So we can learn a lot from Rabbi Meir. His actual, his name means light. And Rabbi Meir says, we need to read the whole of the Megillah. And the halacha goes according to Rabbi Meir. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.